Hello and welcome to the latest instalment of the Sport Huddle Leeds Hospital Radio's very own flagship podcast. Um, I'm Ian Marsden and uh, this week we are joined by Bill Dale, Bernie Thornton and Tony Chalk. Um, and hello fellas. Good evening. Good evening. Well there. <laughs> and while we're um, this week we'll be discussing uh, football with um, Leeds, Huddersfield, a bit of Bradford. A little bit of Harrogate. And then we'll be talking Rugby Union with the Autumn Internationals finishing last week. England finishing unbeaten, which uh, in a crazy game against South Africa. Um, and then we'll be chatting um, general, really, about Ole Gunnar Solskjaer got sacked um, last week. And we're just going to ask if you can remember a club playing legend being a coach and not being a coaching legend like he was a playing legend. Um, so we'll start with the football. We'll start in the Premier League. Um, Leeds last week were on the teller against Tottenham. After going 1-0 up and dominating the first half, they lost 2-1. Um, Bill, you're a, you're a Leeds fan. Um, I mean, how frustrating must that be? Well, it was very frustrating. I, um, I I checked my iPad about 10 minutes out because I, I hadn't managed to watch the uh, the build-up to the game um, and was, was shocked at the uh, the selection with uh, no Rafinha, no Rodrigo to add to the, all the, uh, the, the long-term uh, injuries. Um, and I thought that we were going to get absolutely, uh, you know, wipe the floor with them, would, would Spurs, you know, four or five nil. Um, and Leeds were brilliant in the first half. Um, they were definitely worth their uh, half-time lead. Uh, and I see Dan James scoring his, uh, his first goal. Um, they deserve to be more than one goal in front. Uh, and that cost them at the end of the day. Um, I think um, Spurs obviously... Um, coming to terms with the new manager, uh, Antonio Conte, um, and he clearly gave them uh, either a rocket or uh, a bit of excellent coaching at half-time. <laughs> uh, they were a completely different proposition in the second half. Um, and I think on balance, if anyone deserved to win it, it probably was Spurs. But I think uh, Leeds will, if you're a little bit one-eyed, they certainly have come away with it with, uh, with, with a point. Definitely, especially if you look at the actual goals that Tottenham scored. Both of them were um, very stoppable. Uh, but also, I mean, how lucky was that free kick, which then deflected onto the post, which then deflected straight into the path of the guy who scored the winning goal? Tony, you can't legislate for, for, for goals like that, can you? No, it was uh, it was a fluke, really, wasn't it? I mean, if the, the, the thing had rebounded... It'd couple of inches either way, then he wouldn't have got the rebound, of course. So uh, it, it was just unlucky uh, and very unfortunate for Leeds um, because I, I thought they probably just about did deserve a point, really, because uh, they, they were far the better team in the first half. Uh, Tottenham really didn't play at all. Uh, and I suspect um, Conte might have been more of a rocket than anything else at half time <laughs> because uh, yeah. they needed something to shake them up. And uh, they certainly got going after the interval. Uh, and, and Leeds were very much under the cosh. Um, and if they if they had managed to sort of hold out for a bit longer at one one, who knows? They, they they might have Tottenham might start to get a bit frustrated, and and, and the danger might have lessened. Um, but it, but it was um, as Bill said when you saw the team at the beginning, and knowing it was Conte's first sort of home Premier League game yeah. with the home supporters. 
you're sort of thinking of hunkering down behind the sofa, really. But uh, <laughs> but, but Leeds were, were much better than that. Uh, but it does mean now that um, I think they have a, a crucial spell of games coming up because they're, they're at Brighton this week. And I think then they're at home to Palace and at home to Brentford. And I reckon they've got to get six or seven points out of that because after that, they've got Chelsea away, they've got City away, they've got Arsenal at home and they've got Liverpool away in December. Uh, and I think if they don't get six or seven points out of these next three games, they are going to be in the relegation zone come the end of the year. It Yeah, it does seem like that. And they have been unlucky with injuries, but mm. if you're down the bottom, it does seem to go that way, doesn't it? Um Bernie, looking from the outside in, as um, down just a bit down the M62, um, can you see Leeds uh, getting the six, seven points in the next three games, like Tony suggested? Um, frankly, no, Ian. Uh, but I'll just qualify that. Um, I, I didn't see the game on Sunday, but I did listen to the first half on the radio and a little bit of the second half. And uh, I think the guys are absolutely right. They did seem to play out of the skins and should have been further ahead at half time. Um, the second half, uh, which I didn't pick much up of, um, that was clearly a different matter. And um, Leeds would be quite disappointed at the end, I think. But uh, yeah, I, I've said right through on, on this programme that I think Leeds have got too much quality to be relegated. Um, but yeah, we have got a very crucial period coming up for Leeds. And, uh, yeah, the next three games, you would uh, think they've probably got to get six or seven points from that. Um, I'm just looking at the, the fixtures. Um, four might be, uh, probably more, uh, uh, realistic. But then after that, they've got four games, which are just about the toughest you can get. My, my uh, fear for Leeds is that uh, if they do find themselves in the bottom three by Christmas, then it's going to affect the confidence. They're going to get a, a bit of uh, stick from the press, etc. And it might just mean that they, there's a change of mindset there because they've been pretty positive, I think. And uh, uh, you wouldn't want them to, to lose that. So uh, I do fear that if they don't get those points that we've talked about, then uh, they could be in quite a difficult situation come the new year. I think so. I don't think Bielsa would change his philosophy or his outlook on football. I think he he he, he plays to attack. He plays to win games, and you know that's why they've took some hammerings as well over the last couple of years. But um, yeah, it's a tough one again. Starting with Brighton away on Saturday tea time, half five. And um, for those of you unlucky enough to be in hospital on Saturday, well, you'll be even more unlucky because. I'll be commentating on that one for you on Saturday evening down from the Amex. Uh, me and Steve Fountain uh, bringing you live coverage of Brighton versus Leeds on Saturday tea time. So, um, yeah, if you're in hospital still, uh, look out for that. Um, and Brighton have not won in the last seven. I think five of them have been draws. Mm. So, um I mean, it has got nil-nil written all over it, hasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Do we know? Yeah, I think one of the key things here is going to be, is going to be this injury situation. Do we know when any of these players are likely to come back? Uh, I think. I, go I, on, I, Bill. I, I, well, I, I'm cutting because I was checking this about half an hour ago. Uh, Rodrigo and Rafinha will both be back. Um, Van Fenkock will not be, but they are back in training. Um, so they're 
uh, the, 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 the sort of the injuries behind them. It's a case of gaining much fitness to uh, to go forward. So a bit of light at the end of the tunnel. Um, and I, I think with this weekend in, in, in mind and this talk of, you know, seven points in the next three or four games or, or, or whatever it is, I think Leeds have got a real opportunity this weekend um, because, as, as Ian says, um, Brighton haven't won in seven. Um, Newcastle are away at Arsenal. Um, and Burnley are hosting Spurs, and, and th- there's a fair chance that those two will, uh, the two teams below us, will probably lose uh, if it goes to form. Um, and it is just that chance to to make that buffer five points and not two. Um, yes. And it goes back to uh, Tony's point about confidence. And, and, and what I remember about last season is. Leeds were always two wins in front of the position that they're in now, mm. uh, and that gave them the freedom. Um, yeah. And this year is a bit of a test of uh, that confidence. Yeah, but I, I think even so, looking at the table from what I remember, if uh, sort of two or three good results, and they could go quite a way up because there's quite a bunch, aren't there, in that sort of yeah. table downwards. It's very much of a muchness down there in the Premier League this year. Um, so yeah, Brighton versus Leeds, half five. So we'll move into the championship, and uh, this is Bernie's speciality. Um, two games this week, Bernie. Um, you beat West Bromwich Albion uh, 1-0, uh, but then lost 1-0 to Queen's Park Rangers on Wednesday night. Um, and then Saturday, um, live coverage with Stuart and yourself, I think. Indeed, yes. Yeah. Um, Huddersfield are at home to Middlesbrough. So has this week kind of summed up the season so far? It has, absolutely, and we, we had this discussion last week, of course, and uh, I, I made the point that uh, I've given up trying to predict what, what's going to happen in Huddersfield games at all. And um, I, I've got to say, though, that uh, both Saturday and last night, and I did watch the game on TV last night, I thought they played pretty well. Uh, they played very well against West Brom. It was a really good win. It was mainly a rearguard action against uh, a, a very strong squad, not not particularly an 11, but you, they could turn uh, two 11s out at West Brom and mm. still look very strong indeed. Uh, but they, they they did very, very well on Saturday and they were worth that one goal win. And they were certainly worth a point last night against QPR, who again are going very well. So oh, it was a big disappointment to lose with a relatively late goal yesterday. But um, uh, as far as the performances are concerned, I, I don't think we can ask for a great deal more at the moment. Uh, perhaps a little bit unlucky to lose last night. Uh, the Middlesbrough game, well, it's one that Huddersfield should win. Uh, Middlesbrough are, uh, well, they, they've not uh, pulled any trees up under new manager Chris Wilder, but uh, there'll come a time when they do, and it may be Saturday for all we know, because <laughs> as I say, you just cannot tell what's going to happen. Yeah. Anymore, you can in, in any football match, I suppose. But Towns' uh, performance uh, or form is, is very up and down. Um, I'll just make a, one longer term point, uh, Ian, if I may. Mm-hmm. I think um, the performances are such that I think we've got enough confidence now to know that we shouldn't have too many problems at the bottom end of the table. And I hope I'm not tempting fate here, but they've got 28 points already. And something's that's going to have to go catastrophically wrong if we're in a relegation battle for the fifth successive season. So that will be quite a relief. So I think, uh, and I don't honestly believe that Huddersfield have enough strength in depth to be, uh, uh, they, they can challenge for the, the playoff spots if they keep going as they are doing. 
But um, I don't think it's really going to happen. And uh, I'd even go so far as to query whether they'd want it to happen after what happened with the last uh, promotion. Of course, you can go up and say, let's pocket the money because we know we're coming back down again. But uh, yeah. um, I think we're, we're, we're on a, a consolidation phase, I think, at the moment. And I think what they ought to be looking at in the new year is they've got a very, very strong academy, got some really good players. A lot of them are out on loan at the moment. We'll see them develop. They need to sort out what they want to do in terms of any incoming transfers or outgoing for that matter. Get the squad sorted out. And uh, for the first time in many, many years, I'd like to see them concentrate on an FA Cup run because that will be really good for the club. And they've got a great opportunity to do that. So that's where I see Huddersfield Town going for the rest of the season now. Brilliant. They're going to win the FA Cup at Wembley. Um, so, um, Huddersfield, I'll play in Middlesbrough. Um, that seemed a really strange situation that Neil Warnock left the job um, and Chris Wilder was appointed, what, within within a day or two of um, Neil Warnock leaving. Um, Bill, speaking from afar, um, I mean, Middlesbrough just seemed to be one of those clubs that just, you know, occasionally goes up comes back down and then just muddles around a bit in the championship. There's plenty of them and uh, yeah. um, Leeds may become one of them. Um, you look at you know West Brom and Norwich and um, mm. you know, Bournemouth are going to bounce, look like they're going to bounce back the other way. Um, and, and I've heard uh, you know, expressions of, um, I think it was uh, Danny Cowley at Huddersfield talking about wanting to be a top 30 club. Um, and Norwich wanting to be a top 26 club. Um, and I, I think there are, there is that sort of cluster of clubs that, uh, um, you know, are, are, are very much top end of the championship, probably too good for the championship. Are they good enough yeah. for the premiership? And, and there is that sort of bouncing around. And, yeah. and, and I think Middlesbrough probably fit into that, uh, uh, that mode, although they have been away from it a little while. And, uh, uh, I think there was a stage, was it last season or the season before, uh, under Jonathan Woodgate, where they looked like they might head the way of uh, Sheffield Wednesday and uh, yes. one or two others that have gone down to uh, the third tier. Yeah, they did. They, um, yeah, they had a terrible time until Neil Warnock got in and then saved them um, last season. Um, but yeah, your spawn, there are there are a lot of clubs that are like that. Swansea, for example, I mean, they're going to be there or thereabouts. Mm. Yeah. Um, Stoke maybe, um, Blackburn, Coventry. Look where Coventry are. You see, when I was a kid, Coventry were always top flight, always in the top flight. And now they beat my team in the League Two playoffs just three years ago. So it just shows you what can happen, that you can be in the top flight and then all of a sudden be in the National League or League Two. Um, so, yeah, there is some cracking games on Saturday, but the game on Friday night is West Brom are playing um, Forest, who, by the way, haven't been in the Premier League since 1999. I'd just like to point that one out. And they have been in League One as well for three seasons. Um, so, yes, we'll leave the championship there. Um, it is much so because Bournemouth went and lost a game, didn't they? A game that they should have or thought they would have won, but they lost it. Um, it just shows you anyone can beat anyone in that league. Yeah. Yeah, Bournemouth have lost two and three now, and uh, they, they look yeah. uh, they in the class of their own uh, a few weeks ago in terms of yeah. quality in that league. So we'll move into League Two. Um, Bradford are playing away at Scunthorpe, who I believe are still bottom of the league, and Harrogate Town are travelling to Swindon Town. 
So our two local teams in action in League Two. Um, uh, Tony, um, Bradford are not as cons- they've not won since August. <laughs> Exasperating, yeah. yeah. Um, there's, uh, how many times they seem to have been ahead in their home matches and ended up drawing? And because uh, they had another home draw last week, didn't they, against Northampton? Yeah. Uh, and then and then lost at Tranmere the other night. But they're, they're still still. They're in, in, in mid-table, so they're still kind of uh, in with a shout of, of doing something. But, but they must be an irritating side to watch because they, they kind of promise and, and then don't deliver. And it, it seems very similar to last year. The change in manager doesn't seem to have made any difference. Last year, they, they were pretty awful. Then they promised a lot. Then they went off again. And, and, and uh, they, just, they just don't seem to be able to, to string it together for any length of time. Uh, was Harrogate, of course, made a very good start to the season. They hit something of a bumpy patch. They lost at home last week, I think, against, was it Salford? Uh, but then they managed to get a, a win up at Carlisle on, on, on Tuesday. Which is sort of, they're still in the, in the playoff places. Uh, and this week, I think they go to Swindon, which is a, which is certainly a tough one. I think you said Swindon. Yeah, uh, Ian. Um, that's certainly a tough one. But uh, am I not right in thinking that, that Bradford City got rather a good result against Swindon not that long ago? So, uh, <laughs> yes. you know, it, it just shows um, that topsy turvy things can happen there. But um, uh, yeah, I mean, Bradford should win, but who knows? Uh, Harrogate, I think, would be pleased if they got a point at, uh, at Swindon. Definitely. Um, yeah, Bradford playing Scunthorpe United, who are. Um, absolutely uh, rock bottom in League Two. Uh, just uh, get the league table up on the uh, good old BBC uh, League Two. Um, Harrogate, yep, are sixth, so they're still there on 29 points. Uh, Bradford sit 12th um, on 23 points. They've won five, drawn eight, lost five, so they've drawn a lot of games. Mm. Um, and yep, Scunthorpe are rock bottom, level with Carlisle. Um, on 13 points, won two games, drawn seven, lost nine each. Literally the same record. Um, Scunthorpe conceded more. Um, so that's going to be... I mean, Scunthorpe are fighting for their lives, but you just can imagine them being in non-league next season, um, which will be a travesty for them, I think. Such a small club. Um, but we'll see how that goes, and good luck to Bradford and Harrogate this weekend. So we're going to nip on now to rugby and the autumn internationals um bill you can stand down for a couple of minutes we'll have a look at the the fixtures from last week where it was um the autumn internationals and there were some absolutely amazing games um england 27 south africa 26 wales 29 australia 28 um, and New Zealand lost again, this time to France, 40 mm. points to 25. The crown might be slipping, Tony. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, South Africa are ranked number one, of course, now. So I suppose you could say the crown has slipped. Yeah. Um, but but uh, New Zealand will, will get it back together again, I'm sure. I have to say that, the uh, unfortunately, with the, with the way the... Uh, 
the television coverage has been. I, I've seen very little of it this year. But the, the, mm. the matches that were available on terrestrial were um, were the Ireland game. I didn't see the Japan game. I saw most of the Argentina game, which was pretty pretty much one sided. Really, I thought Argentina were disappointing after they made a good start, scored a good early try. Um, but but I have to say that, that I saw most of the Ireland All Blacks game, which I thought was terrific stuff. I mean, I, I thought Ireland were absolutely outstanding in that. And in New Zealand. Not at their best, you'd, you'd have to say, I suppose. But but uh, Ireland have set down a marker there, uh, and I think uh, that really does set things up nicely for the for the Six Nations. Uh, but England will be pleased. Um, you know, they've sort of built nicely through those uh, those three matches. Um, uh, I, first of all, you know, obviously good win against Australia, which you'd have expected them to win um uh, after the the early win which everybody expected I, I guess in the first game but uh, uh but south africa was always going to be tougher uh and i i've not seen any of the action obviously I, I, all my impressions are based on on reports read um uh, and clearly uh, england were outstanding in the first half and um then uh, south africa went for the hit squad after after half time uh, and and tried to muscle their way to victory. Um, and England managed to stand up to it well enough and got enough decent possession to, um, to to win the match. And it's encouraging that they won it by scoring three tries to one. I mean, I know they won with a late penalty goal in the last minute, uh, but but they scored three tries to one. And and they must be tremendously encouraged, I would think, by by some of these younger players. Um, uh, like obviously uh, Smith at, at, at fly half, who's, who looks a natural whenever I've seen him. He looks a very good player. Uh, Freddie Stewart's done really well at fullback apparently, uh, and the lad who came on for Youngs uh, at scrum half, Rafi Quirk, apparently he looked good as well. Uh, and, and, and some of the, the younger forwards like Blameyer, the hooker, have also done well. So th- this is good coming up to the uh, the, the World Cup in what, less than a couple of years' time. Um, yeah. But also uh, with a view to, to the Six Nations, of course, because England start off uh, with uh, with a tricky uh, trip up to Murrayfield in their first match um, so that, you know, they will want to hit the ground running. Uh, and Scotland have been found out to an extent because um, although they, they, they beat Australia, uh, they were out muscled by South Africa and they couldn't cope with the power of the of, of the Springboks. Um, so uh, in, England, I think, will, will, will hope to 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 overturn what happened at Twickenham last year. Uh, and I suppose we should mention Wales, um, uh, who uh, d- did well in the end to, to beat Australia. Uh, I mean, they, they were thumped by the All Blacks, uh, beaten by the Springboks, um, but they did well to, to beat Australia, albeit uh, I think the Wallabies were down to 14 men for quite a bit of that game. And, and it, again, it relied on a last-minute uh, penalty goal. Uh, because Alan Wynne-Jones out injured does make a difference to them. So they'll have been pleased with that. Uh, but as we come up to the Six Nations, you'd say, looking on, on this evidence, that England and Ireland are possibly the teams uh, that, that they're going to have to beat. Uh, and, of course, France, uh, who uh, looked very good last year, um, uh, apart from losing at Twickenham, strange. Um, so it could be a very hotly contested Six Nations. I think it will be. Um, Scotland do seem, I mean, they beat Japan and they've beaten Australia. Australia lost all three games. They lost to Scotland, Wales and mm. England. So yes. not the greatest autumn for the Aussies. Um, so, yep, the Premiership is back this weekend. Um, Exeter, Exeter Chiefs are actually looking at their name um, with the Native American uh, connotations on that Um 
obviously it's there's a precedent because the Washington Redskins American football team have now just called themselves Washington football team and um, they took away the Redskins but Kansas City Chiefs who won the Super Bowl just a couple of years ago are still called the Chiefs so it's very much um it it's one of those subjects isn't it that just divides and oh yeah yeah, I, I think I think yeah. Leeds Rugby League team are going to have to watch it as well after the Northern White Rhino became extinct. <laughs> <laughs> but even like the Leeds ice hockey team were called the Chiefs and they changed their name mm. and are now the Leeds Knights. Um, yeah. mm. So then, well, I'm glad they're looking into it at least anyway. So <clears throat> there's what? There's five minutes left. So let's... Um, uh, oh, Jim will be happy. Leicester are 2 0 up. Um, and the uh, Europa League game. <laughs> Jim, who couldn't make tonight because he sat watching that. Um, so, we all support different teams. And Manchester United sacked their um, legend, their playing legend, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, after a 4 1 away defeat at Watford. Um, that followed, obviously, the defeat to Manchester City and the absolute battering they took of Liverpool, um, and they lost to Aston Villa. Um, so, has a playing legend took over your club, whatever sport, and just failed to live up to the expectations you had because of how much of a legend he was, a player? Um, we'll start with Bill on this one. Uh, well, I'll start Leeds United, is, uh, I suppose, yeah. My, my, my primary uh, following of professional sport. Um, and uh, you think back to the great Reavy team and uh, uh, the, the candidates for uh, managerial success uh, from there. Um, and the two names, of course, that come up for Leeds United were Alan Clark, um, who left, uh, went to Barnsley, uh, did pretty well at Barnsley, came back. Uh, and uh, I think, if I recall rightly, was the, uh, the manager when they, uh, certainly in the season that they were relegated, um, down into uh, into then Division Two for a couple of years, um, and after various uh, failed attempts to uh, to get promotion, um, the services of Billy Bremner, uh, perhaps the biggest legend of that team, was uh, was called upon, and he got so so close. Um, I, I was funny enough, I was talking to uh, somebody today. I was giving some professional advice, and I said, "What's that photograph on the wall?" And he said, "Oh, it's uh, it's Keith Houchin scoring the winning goal for my team, Coventry, at Wembley." Um, and I said, "Well, I remember I was at Hillsborough for the semi-final when uh, yeah. he beat Leeds United, um, and of course we got to the uh, the playoffs uh, that year." Um, uh, only to, for it to go to a replay at St Andrews, and uh, Leeds were one nil in front from a John Sheridan uh, free kick um, yeah. uh, against Charlton, uh, if you recall. Yes. And, uh, yeah. Peter Shirtliff yeah. popped up to score his first and second goal of the season. Uh, <laughs> one in the 89th minute, and one in about the 93rd. Um, yeah. So, uh, not great memories of it. And um, Simon Grayson, I suppose, um, briefly played for Leeds, came back as manager. Took them out of League One back into the Championship, but uh, didn't uh, didn't last that long. And as a footnote, um, I've just put but no Jack Charlton um, because of that team. Um, you know, the one player that came through to become a, a successful manager never got the, never got a shot at the job. Yeah, and what a job he made. Um, he was good at Sheffield Wednesday, wasn't he? And then Ireland. I mean, mm. he he actually put Ireland on the football world map. Um, 
and um, they, he's still revered over there, isn't he? He's, you know, yeah. an airport's named after him, I think, over there. Um, he was given Irish citizenship. Yeah, he was. Um, absolutely amazing job, and we couldn't beat him. England played them so many times, and we just couldn't beat them. They they had a, the, the sign over us. Um, Bernie, you, um, have a go at this. Right. Um, well, there's uh, there's not a lot of uh, scope really at Huddersfield Town for this, Ian, because uh, I've uh, I haven't gone through the full records, but the the one that stands out as a playing legend who uh, turned to management is Peter Jackson, of course, mm-hmm. who remains a legend even more so as a manager than he was as a player. Uh, in his first spell, he got the side promoted, and his second, he dragged them almost single-handedly out of administration. So <laughs> he can do no wrong at Huddersfield Town. So uh, he certainly doesn't fit the bill. Uh, so I decided I'd turn it round a little bit, Ian, and uh, have a look at cricket uh, on, on yes. this subject. So when you look at the Yorkshire coaches over the years, of course, it's uh, we, we, we've had a, a succession, all, all but two coaches, to the best of my knowledge, of all being ex-Yorkshire players, certainly in uh, in, in living memory. Mm-hmm. And uh, you've got to say that between 1968 and 2001, they uh, they were all pretty underwhelming. So you can take your pick <laughs> of coaches through that period <laughs> until the arrival uh, in, um, I don't know when he actually arrived, but um, in 2001, a chap called Wayne Clark was imported from Australia, an Aussie of all people, and um, he uh, wasted no time in winning the championship for the first time in over 30 years. So uh, you've got to put that down as a success. And then, of course, uh, later on in 2014-15, we also won the uh, championship under Jason Gillespie. So uh, uh, the the two who have not been ex-Yorkshire players, and uh, some of them quite celebrated Yorkshire players, have been the only two uh, in living memory who've uh, raised the championship. So listeners can read into that what they will. (laughs) And Tony, you have a go. Yeah, well, I suppose I'd have to go to to, to rugby league, really, and uh, my team was was always Leeds. Um, And uh, there's a few examples, I suppose, um, uh, Looking back in in the mid seventies, Sid Hines, of course, who was in that legendary Roy Francis team of the late sixties, uh, and then taken over by by originally originally by Rocky Turner in the in the early seventies, um, and he uh, made a sort of an unpromising start, but then one of course won two Challenge Cups in seventy seven and seventy eight. So, uh, uh, and I think then they were, they also won the, uh, the, the the Premiership under him sometime in was it about seventy eight nine. 1980, something like that. Um, so, so he had a pretty successful record. Um, uh, and after that, I think the only uh, the only other uh, ex-player I can think of uh, who came in for a while was David Ward, who of course was in that uh, Challenge Cup winning team in the late 70s, and he he had coached at Hunslet with uh, with a reasonable amount of success. But uh, it never really did much at Leeds. But I think from memory, without knowing the exact, the exact dates, I suspect he was probably coach uh, uh, at the time or just about the time when we were entering perpetual Wigan. Um, and there was that long spell, of course, in the late 80s through into the 90s, when yeah. Wigan just basically won everything. Uh, and it was a pretty thankless task for anybody. So it, probably too a bit harsh to, to, to judge him on, on, on that. Um, 
but but, but uh, apart, apart from that, I, I can't think of too many of, of the sort of uh, the top players of the of the 60s and 70s who actually uh, uh, coached Leeds. But uh, Sid Hines the one who comes to mind, and, and he did uh, a pretty good job. Yeah, um, my team are well in National League, but um, some of my legendary heroes have took the job and been sacked as well. So it's been um, it's come to the point now where if Notts needed a new manager, it will be do not appoint an ex-player because it just never works, and you end up disliking them, and it just goes wrong and awry, and so. Um, yeah, loads, too many to mention. Sean Derry, uh, Gary Mills, um, oh, honestly, list, Ian McParland, the list goes on. Um, so I'm just, go- just I'm as a thought, just to sort of throw in as an afterthought on that, um, do we think that those, those reasons that you gave there, Ian, where it's a good idea to get, do you think that might be why Kevin Sinfield didn't hang around too long at Leeds in, in a senior management position and, yeah. uh, and moved on uh, to a different code, in fact? Mm. Yeah, he's. I think, yeah. I think Kevin probably knew that. I mean, he's he's what a defensive coach at the time. Yes, just, a defense coach. Um, the road, yeah. mm. So I think you know maybe in a few years or something. But I think um, I think he knew that if Leeds didn't do well under him, his his legendary status as a player would always be there. But then it might just be tinged slightly if he did fail as a coach and so I think there is always that um I mean Rangers now they've just appointed uh Giovanni Van Bronckhorst who used to play for them um at the uh, turn of the century and he was such a hero to them um and now he's become manager and I say if he doesn't win the league this year they they will hound him out because that's 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 football um especially in Glasgow um, so um, I'll leave that there. Um, Just in the interest of balance, uh, Ian. Um, yeah. Not every ex-player is a failure. You look back no. at uh, Eddie Dalglish at Liverpool, Pep Guardiola yes. at Barcelona, Beckenbauer. Um, yeah. Certainly with the German national team, and I suspect also with Bayern Munich and Didier Deschamps. Um, so it'll be uh, um, it'll be interesting to see how Gerard goes if he uh, makes a success at Villa mm-hmm. and. Uh, uh, takes yeah. on the ultimate poison chalice if uh, Jürgen ever decides to uh, step down at Anfield. <laughs> That's it. It'll always be down to Jürgen as to when that happens, I think. Um, but then Celtic, Jock Steen played for them. And then when he mm. took over as manager, went on and won the um, the ultimate in, in club football. So um, it, it can be good. It's just there seems to be a lot more of it not working than it working. Um, so anyway... Enough. That's um, that. Enough for this week. Thank you so much, um, Bill, Bernie, Tony. Thank you so much for your input this week and for our um, weekly podcast. Um, we might be back next week. We're still in discussion as it is <laughs> Leeds Hospital Radio's AGM on the night of recording next week. So um, just just have a look and see if we're there, <laughs> and we might be. Um, But anyway, thank you. Get well soon and good. um, Thank you for listening.